Well, each one of us are made up of different experiences, uh, some good, some bad, uh, some successes, some struggles, uh, some uh, pain, some joy. Uh, all of us, though, are unique. Each and every single one of you are uniquely wired and designed in a specific way that is just you. No one has your DNA. No one has your exact personality. You are very unique. And uh, the truth is, is that for uh, some of you, you're very extroverted and you have a very high word count and uh, you say a lot of words. And some of you are introverted and those people drive you crazy because they wear you out. Uh, some of you have a great sense of humor. Others of you don't. Um, you just don't. You don't laugh at yourself. Uh, you don't do that. Some of you are very passionate about some things, and others of you are passionate about something else. And in each of you, though, there is something that really fires you up and makes you come alive. And all of these kind of make up the unique person that is you. And no one on planet Earth has ever walked with the exact same person that is you. And when you get to heaven, I'm telling you, God is not going to say, why weren't you more like Moses? Um, he's not going to say, why were you not more like Ruth? He's not going to say, why were you not more like this person or that person? Why weren't you more like your brother or your sister? He's going to ask the question, why were you not more like the person that I uniquely created who is you? You know, uh, what is so important, and as we're looking at this new series called Thrive, is how do we thrive rather than just survive through things? And we've been looking at a book called Ephesians, which is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. Last week we looked at chapter 1, and this week we're going to be looking at chapter 2. Now you might remember that Ephesus is found in uh, present-day Turkey, and uh, at that time, Ephesus was like the second largest city in the world. There were 250,000 people that lived there. And as Paul is writing this letter, he uses chapter 2, the first 10 verses, to kind of tell us exactly what a spiritual journey looks like. And Paul begins in chapter 2 by letting everyone know that's in the church exactly where they were before they came to Christ. What their life was like before that. And in chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, As for you. Now you've got to understand the setting. Uh, church in Ephesus was not in buildings like this. Um, it, was, it took place in homes. And so there would be different homes, and they would take this letter Paul wrote uh, to the Ephesians from jail, and they would give it to them, and they would read it. And so as they begin to read it, it says, as for you, and then it goes on uh, to say, you were dead. Welcome to church, right? Um, as for you, you once were dead. And that's how it kind of begins. In other words, you had no energy, you had no growth, you had no pulse. You were thriving. In fact, 
or, or you were surviving, you were not thriving. In fact, you had stumbled so far away from God to someone who needed it. Uh, we're going to put a picture up of uh, a no, tro- no trespassing sign. Uh, growing up as a kid, every time I would see that no trespassing sign, it just made me want to really know what was on the other side of that sign. And uh, I actually would, you know, like climb fences or kind of jimmy my way uh, in between the gate to where I could actually see. Because I kept thinking to myself, if they have this sign here, there must be something really fun on the other side that they're not allowing me to see. And so I was that kid that kind of did that and, uh, you know, found some interesting stuff. Now, uh, I want you to know I don't do this anymore, Okay. Uh, I have recovered, and uh, no one should do that. But there's just like this adventure spirit in me that wants to kind of see what's going on on the other side of that. So a couple of weeks ago, our family went to uh, Yellowstone uh, National Park, which is beautiful. And uh, if, you ever, if you've ever been there before or not, uh, there's all these different roads. And as you drive, there are these little outlets. And you get off on these outlets, and often there's no trespassing signs around for different things. And so I obeyed all of those. But eventually, we were driving to this one outlet, and we saw this sign, Bear Frequenting Area. And I kept thinking to myself, I want to know how frequently they actually show up. So I said, hey, guys, I think this is where we should stop, and we'll get out of the car, and we'll just start looking out. And my wife and my uh, youngest daughter, Shiloh, said, no way. We're staying in the car. But my oldest daughter, Jordan, kind of has an adventurous spirit like me. And she's like, come on, Dad, let's do it. And so we start going through this. And all of a sudden, we started seeing some evidence of bears in droppings called what? Poop. You can say poop in church, you know. I mean, it's something we all do, all right? No, there was all this, like, bear poop, like, all over the place. And, you know, Jordan and I are getting excited, like, we're going to be able to see a bear. And we kept walking and walking and walking. We didn't see a single bear at all. And so we're kind of disappointed. And all of a sudden, if you know anything about Yellowstone, there, you know, Old Faithful, there's all these geysers all over the place. And uh, there was this geyser, and usually it has no trespassing, don't walk on the thermal area, but there was nothing there. I think it was there at one time, but... It wasn't there anymore, and I thought, you know what? I want to see how warm these geysers actually get. So I walk over to one, and it looks like there's a pretty stable area, and I get on it, and everything's fine, and I'm touching I'm like, man, that's warm. And then the next thing I know, I fell in. And I'm up to my knees uh, in this, and I think we have a picture of it right there. And um, I had to walk then 30 minutes from where we were at back to the car, and when we got back to the car... My wife was not happy. And mainly she wasn't happy because we had to use all of the bottled water that we had to get me halfway clean so I could get in the car. And then I didn't know this. These sandals that she bought me eight years ago, they're called Echoes. Do you know about Echoes? They're not cheap. They're not flip-flops. And we had to throw those away. And so... Sometimes, folks, when we're trespassing, we actually really need a sign that would help us. And on that day, this is the sign that I needed. No trespassing. Don't be an idiot and step onto the thermal area. And that was me. Okay? That was me. Again, in our text, Paul is saying, as for you, you were dead. 
You were on life support. You were breathing, but you were not alive and you were dead in your trespasses. And he's saying that each of us have climbed the fence. We've kind of navigated through the gate. We've gone on the other side of the no trespassing sign before. Just like Adam and Eve, when God said, don't eat from this tree. And then what did they do? They ate. They ate. We knowingly choose to trespass. And then we find ourselves sometimes getting stuck or wandering away from where we were created to be. And Paul is like, this is where you were. You were dead. And quite honestly, that's what the human condition is. Now, at this point, I have a feeling that some of you are getting a little squirmy and you're thinking, oh, come on, bunch, I'm not that bad. I mean, I go to church pretty regular, not every Sunday, but pretty regular. I read my Bible, I pray, I do those kind of things, and I'm not that bad. Now, my spouse is really bad, uh, you know, or, or my friends or I, someone in my family or some coworkers. Man, they've done some trespassing. I've seen it. I mean, some of my coworkers, but me, you know, I'm pretty good for the most part. And Paul says, whoa, 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 not so fast. He says, as for you, you once were dead due to your trespasses and sins. And then he goes on to say these words, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. In other words, there was a time in each of our lives in which we thought it was great to Fill every desire in our life to listen to our flesh, to do things that we wanted, when we wanted, where we wanted, how we wanted to do them. And we didn't even blink an eye when we were trespassing on them. With every choice, we found ourselves going further and further and further and further away from God. And yet the reality is we liked it and we chose it. And because of this, Paul says that none of us are ever deserving then to have a relationship with God because of our past. And my question is, is that you? Do you remember a time, a place, something that you did where you trespassed, you neglected the signs, you climbed the fence, your heart was not connected to the heart of God, and it's important for us to remember that. Maybe some of you are there today. You are far from the one who created you. Far from what he wanted you to be. That you're dead, yet breathing. But then Paul says, hey, I'm not just going to leave you there. We're going to flip the script. And he says these words. He says, but because of his next two words, what is it? Great love. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in what? In mercy, that we don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyways, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace that you have been saved. And it's like he's giving these first five verses and Paul is just emoting this journey of our existence. Your existence and mine was we were dead, we were lost, we were far. And then either we've chosen Christ and our life has changed Or we're thinking about it maybe today. And what he's saying is you were dead, but because of his great love, 
You were made new. You were given a second chance. You were given life. Despite all of your trespasses, the grace and mercy of God reached down into your life. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. And uh, this is your first fill-in. Without God, I'm dead. With God, I'm alive. Without God, I'm dead. I'm a, I'm a dead man walking. I'm on life support. I'm breathing, but I'm actually not really living. But with God, with God, when I choose Him, then I become alive. I'm alive. Now, I want to kind of graphically show this to you, and, and you can kind of make this graph yourself. I gave you some space in your program, or it's on our JAR app as well that you can look at. And it, he basically is using this scripture to say this. He says, at one time in my life, I was dead. I was a dead man walking. I was breathing, but there was no life because of my sin and my trespasses. And then there came a day in which I gave my life to Christ. And all of a sudden, I became alive. I wasn't just surviving, but I actually started to thrive and to live my life. God pursued me. He he chose me. He adopted me. All those words we talked about last week. And I'm given new life and I'm alive. And God's grace looked beyond all this. And then Paul goes on and he says these words. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one could ever boast. It's a gift. It's a free gift. You open it up. You can't earn it. You can't do anything. The gift says there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. That he simply loves you because you chose him. And he chose you. And he reached down in his great love and mercy and brought you into life. But this is what I know about our culture. Every time that uh, something should be focused on God and the beauty that he does, sometimes we like to still that and we want to make ourselves the focal point for it to be all about us. During Paul's day, uh, the Romans and the Greeks had a tendency to kind of uh, do this. And the way they would do it is by uh, kind of having a, a bizarre concept of all of these different gods. And these gods were everywhere, and what they basically said is that these gods liked people, and because they liked people, they would send uh, little spirit fairies to give happiness and creativity. So it's kind of like you would go and you would see this uh, statue of a god, and that god then would release little tinkerbells, okay? Tinkerbells. Uh, that are, are flying, little fairies that would go. They were little spiritual guides that would help you then to get either into happiness or there would be this sense of giving you creativity. And it's interesting that the word that they used for these little fairies were called geniuses. So they would send these geniuses there. In other words, uh, Romans did not believe that if that an exceptionally gifted person was a genius. They believed that a gifted person had a genius in this fairy. Now what's interesting in our day is that we call each other geniuses. 
parents will often say, you know what, my child is a genius. Or they might say, my child's not a genius, you know. Or people will say all the time, you know, you had a genius idea or, you know, you are a genius. Now, I share this with you simply to say, we really are good at making ourselves the focal point all the time. All the time, anywhere, we want to be the center. But Paul says, you can't do that with grace. Now, the truth is, if we could, we would try to figure out a way to do it with grace. We'd somehow try to make grace something that we earn, that we work towards. People will even say, you know, I'm working towards grace, even though it goes against everything in Scripture, because it's a free gift. It's a gift that can't be earned. It's an invitation that simply says, you're worthy of being loved. Even though there's all these things that you've done in your past, And you don't deserve this relationship. God pursues us and loves us no matter what. And he says you're worthy to be loved. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. But here's what happens. I meet a lot of people in my life that they realize, oh, you know what? I I was dead. Even Christ followers. I was dead. and, And I came to Christ. And then I became alive. And then all of a sudden what happens to people is they check out and then they say, I'll wait till I get to heaven to really have the fullness of God. I'll just check out until heaven comes. And so they bask in their grace. They sing about amazing grace. They share grace with other people. Not really. They, they don't share it with anyone. They just kind of keep it to themselves until the day that they can actually get to heaven, to heaven's gates. But that's not what Paul is teaching. Paul is saying that once you were dead and now you're alive. Like if you're alive, then, then live a full life. And God has something so much more for you than just waiting until you get to heaven. And in in, uh, Ephesians 2.10, it says this, For we are God's, what's the next word? We're His masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. He says, hey guys, you're His masterpiece. You are are special. You are priceless. You're unique. You're one of a kind. You're His masterpiece. And since you are His masterpiece, it changes everything. It changes the fact that now I'm dead, but now I'm alive, but now I see myself as a masterpiece. I have a new vision in my life. The vision is 2.10, Ephesians 2.10. For now, I am God's masterpiece. But the truth is, many of us don't believe it's true. We look in the mirror and we see all the flaws. In the middle of the night, we go through our head about all the things that we aren't. We walk through our day and we're 
defeated, even though we know that we were once dead and now alive, and He desires that we simply choose to check out until heaven. And the problem for many Christians is they get to this point right here and they simply stop. They stop. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand. There's so much more. Because God's grace didn't set you up just to just wait until you die and go to heaven. His grace was given you to set you up so that you would see yourself as a masterpiece and then you would use the gifts that God has given you to impact the people around you. But it was very difficult for people to see themselves, even in Ephesus. Because in Ephesus, as we talked about last week, it was a huge art community. And so every street you walked down, every building you went into, there was always some kind of sculpture, some kind of work of art that was so tremendous. Artemis' temple, for instance, was one of the seven wonders of the world. People would come from all over the place to look at it. And they were awed by it. They were inspired. And Paul writes this letter and he says, hey, you know what? That has nothing on you. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. Even all of you in the balcony. You're a masterpiece. Okay? And he says, no, 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 no. What you don't get is that Ephesus has nothing on you. The Indianapolis Art Museum has nothing on you. The Guggenheim, with everything that it has, it has nothing on you. You are God's masterpiece and you're a part of His story. But the problem is is that many of us simply don't believe it. We believe in grace. But imagine if everyone said, I'm going to really believe in grace and now I'm going to see myself as a masterpiece. Can you imagine if every single person in here left from this building today and you said, I'm a masterpiece in God's hands and then you walked and you lived that and you looked it in front of, And you look like that in front of other people. Next Sunday, it would be so packed, we would have to tell people they can't come in. Because everybody would want what they see in you because from your masterpiece, you start to show other people you can have this too in the hands of God Almighty. There would be this constant kind of thought process of vision 2.10. Vision 210, I'm God's masterpiece to let other people know that with Christ they can be a part of this masterpiece as well. No one would hold the grace and keep it to themselves and I'll keep it only for me. There would be this constant sharing of vision and masterpiece. It's kind of like my dad often says, he says, Chris, I don't want to get to heaven and still have some energy. I want to be totally worn out. I don't want to wait and stop right here and hold God's grace and say, hey, I'm alive. I actually want to help others to be alive. Folks, I want to be clear to you, and and sometimes you hear this and you just move on, but you're God's masterpiece. Like every single one of you, you're God's masterpiece. Everyone here, you're, you're God's masterpiece. Everybody in each section in the balcony. That's who you are. You are God's masterpiece. 
And folks, the kingdom wins and the church grows and families are changed and communities are changed when we see ourselves like that. But I imagine that some of you are like, I want to believe that, Chris, but how do I do it? How do I, how do I finally realize that I'm a masterpiece and I can be used to fulfill this vision of 2.10, Ephesians 2.10. So I want to share with you just a couple of things. You have to write these in your notes. They're not in your program. Um, but you can write them down or on the JAR app. You can check it there. Two things for you to be on display for God as his masterpiece. What do you need? What do you need to, to understand that? And here it is. The first one is you've got to know your spiritual gifts. If you're a Christ follower, if you say Jesus is the one that I'm following, then you have had deposited within you a spiritual gift. Most of you will have multiple gifts. For example, uh, my gifts are leader and teacher. Those are gifts that God has given to me to be able to use. And when I don't use those in the best way I know how, then it affects everything I do. But when I'm seeing myself as a masterpiece and I'm utilizing those gifts, lives are changed around me. Now, I don't know what your particular gifts are. There, there are 27 of them. But I know a place where you can go to figure out what your gifts are. And we look at five of the kind of main gifts for, for one of those, for everyone has. And uh, so on Wednesday, right here at the Civic, in the community room, we're going to be offering a Discovering Your Purpose class where you'll learn your spiritual gifts and then you'll know also kind of your purpose, your personality, your gifts, who you are, and then how you can utilize those for God's kingdom to put them on display. I'm telling you, if you call yourself a Christ follower, it's your responsibility and privilege to know, hey, God has gifted me something that I can actually utilize and use for the impact of others so that I'm not just staying alive and, hey, I got grace, but I'm actually living that into the masterpiece of the vision of 2.10. I mean, supernaturally, God deposits these gifts within you and you can be a part of it. If you want, you can just check the blue box up in the upper corner of your uh, Connect card and you can say, hey, I'm in. If you're like, oh, I'm not so sure right now, don't worry. Tomorrow we're going to remind you because we're going to actually send a text to everybody to say, hey, if you'd like to come and and experience this, I'm going to be there and I hope that you will join us as well. Child care will be provided, so you don't have to worry about that either. You just got to take them home. You can't keep them, you know. That's not my gift to keep your kids, okay? All right. Uh, So one thing that we need to do is to know your spiritual gifts. And the second way to display God's love is you have to use your past. The problem with so many of us is we take our past and we put it in a closet or we take our past and we kind of sweep it underneath the rug. But the reality is your past is something that can be used to impact lives. That's why Paul said, hey, I'm going to start by talking about your past. One time, this is where you were. And he said, but then you became alive. And each of us have a past. And God uses people with the same kind of past to reach out to someone who has your past to be able to give redemption 
to their story. I mean, God has supernaturally given you these gifts, and now he says, I want you to also use your past to connect with people and draw them to you. I have a friend of mine uh, who, uh, his entire adult life, he was sucked into the demon of alcoholism. He was a huge alcoholic, uh, drank all the time. It affected his uh, family. It affected uh, his uh, relationships. It affected his marriage, his kids. And the reality is that for my friend, um, he was very far from God. And uh, he was dead. He, he was breathing, but he was spiritually dead. He was a dead man walking. And one day, he just got on his knees and he said, God, if you will help me become sober, I will follow you. And I'll give my life to you. And so he started going to every AA meeting that he could. And then he heard about our Celebrate Recovery ministry. And he started going to that. And it was from that he then started coming to church. And he came to Christ. And uh, he gave his life to Christ. And, and you should have seen him when he stopped drinking. He was like alive. He was a different person. Just totally different. And the reality is my friend could have stopped right there. And said, I receive God's grace, I'm going to keep it to myself, and then I'll wait till heaven. I'll just check out till heaven. Or he could share that grace and say, I'm a masterpiece now to be able to give myself away. And so that's what he's done. And almost every single Tuesday, and for years and years and years, he is at Celebrate Recovery. And there have been dozens and dozens of men who have found sobriety through him leading step studies and bringing them there. And it was all because he said, I will choose not to check out now that I've received this. I'm actually going to be a masterpiece, the one God created. There's a woman in our church who experienced tremendous poverty growing up. She was very, very far from God as well. And so she was dead she was dead economically, she was dead spiritually, and she walked into the jar one day, and it was all she could do to just stay in the gym. We were meeting in the gym, and she was about ready to walk out, and someone reached out to her and said, no, 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 you can come back, and she just kept coming. She was dead in poverty, she was dead in Christ, she was spiritually dead. And then one day, she accepted Christ, and all of a sudden, she started becoming alive. And she said, Chris, I don't want to wait until heaven. I, I don't want to check out now. What can I do? How can I serve? And she helped with different things. And finally, though, we found like the, the area of her life where she could be a masterpiece to people. And she started serving at the community basket. And the community basket is something that twice a month we open up to about 150 to 175 people that come in and they get five different items that are non-food items that food stamps can't pay for. And my friend, when she was able to get this niche in her life, she is amazing to watch. A couple of weeks ago, our whole family volunteered and, and I was with my friend and she's like doing everything and there's like this glow in her face. Because every person who walked in the door, she had walked in their shoes before. 
And she knew exactly what they were thinking. And so she calmly, lovingly helped them through the process. She would escort them through it. And some of them that wanted to take more than five items, she knew them too. And she'd say, put it back. It's not my gift. You know what my gift would have been? Just take more. I I don't know. I don't know. But she knows how to do that. And it's been amazing to see her go from being dead to alive to now she's like, I'm a masterpiece in the hands of God and I can use my gifts for that. But for so many of us folks, this is what happens. We get to this point right here where we accept Christ. We know we're alive. We accept His grace. We know it in our heads and we just kind of check out. And what happens is, if you're not careful, folks, this is what happens. You actually start going back to your dead self. And the things that you were dead in before start consuming you and fear consumes you and selfishness consumes you and guilt from your past. And Paul says, don't just stay alive. Actually thrive and be a masterpiece. And so, folks, the way you do that is you have to know your gift, what God has specifically given you. And then to use your past, don't hide it in a skeleton's closet. Don't, uh, you know, sweep it under a rug. And what Paul was telling the people of Ephesus is you were once like that. You once were dead, but then you came to Christ and became alive. And don't wait till heaven to receive that, but actually find out your gifts. Use your past. Be the masterpiece that God created you to be. And I have a feeling that for some of you, maybe you're here for the first time or you've just been checking out the church or man, you've done some boneheaded things lately and you're just like, I feel dead. I feel dead. And your next step really is to come to the cross, receive His grace, say, Jesus, I can't do it anymore. Just like my buddy who was the alcoholic. God, I can't do it. You help me. And then maybe for others of you, the reality is you were dead, but you came to Christ and you received His grace and you're alive. But the reality is, is that you just kind of checked out. You do the Sunday morning thing. You, you know, you might pray or read your Bible, but to say, man, I want to believe that I'm His masterpiece, that I can be used in the hands of of God. And so I pray that for some of you who might be there, that you would really learn your spiritual gift. And Wednesday's coming, and you can be a part of that. And then that you would use that to discover your purpose, that you use your past to empower, to love others. Because this is the truth, folks. This is the truth. You are God's Loving God, thank you so much for not leaving us in our trespassing. Thank you, God, for you choosing to be the 
want to go over the fence, through the gate, to reach out to us and say, don't go this way, let me show you a better way. And God, I know there are many people in this theater who may feel like they're just surviving, they're just kind of going through the motions right now. God, will you help remind them that they are your masterpiece and that you desire for them to use their gifts and their paths to invite people into a relationship with you. Maybe you're sitting there right now and you're like, you know what, I've given my life to God. I've received His grace, but the reality is I'm just kind of stuck. Like your foot getting stuck in that thermal area, I'm just kind of stuck. Today, if you're ready to say, God, help me get unstuck. To see myself as a masterpiece and to put you on display. If you're ready to say, yes, I want to use my gifts. I want to share my past so others can receive your gift of grace. If that's where you're at today, if you're like, I want to get unstuck, God, but I need your help. I need you to do that. Would you just raise your hand for a moment? I just want to pray right now for you. God, I pray for every hand that is raised. Fill them with your presence and help them to thrive. Remind them that they are your masterpiece, that you want to help them, that you are not finished with them yet. God, help each person here to know that they don't have to simply survive, but they can thrive. Put your hands up. Now, for some of you, maybe you're sitting there and the truth is, you're like, I'm dead. I'm breathing, but I'm dead. Maybe you don't feel like you're good enough. Maybe you don't think that you're worthy enough, that you've done so much in your past that there's no way that God could accept you. Don't listen to those lies. You don't have to try to do something to gain God's approval. Jesus Christ has already done it on the cross. He died for your sins, for all of them, so that you could be His masterpiece. So right now, if you're ready to say by faith, I surrender to Jesus, I give my life to Him, I need His forgiveness, I need His grace, I need to be alive. If that's you, I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that you have to pray alone. We always pray in community here. But I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. Make me alive. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. Make me your masterpiece. My life is yours. Receive it now. In Jesus' name I pray.